Well, I want to begin this morning with news coming out of Imo State, Nigeria, of the brutalization of the president of the Nigerian Labour Congress, Mr. Ajairo. And when that news broke late yesterday, it immediately went viral uh, with the picture of the NLC president, who has now been notorious uh, for calling out workers on strike and for, for reneging on those calls. Uh, his picture standing in front of a motor vehicle uh, with his face battered, his face battered. So that picture uh, did go viral, and rightly so. And uh, other pictures came in after that, showing him with a bandaged face. And it is the reaction, the reaction of many people uh, in the culture, many people on social media that uh, really caught my attention. Indeed, it should be concerning uh, that some persons at the F1 tree, indeed, uh, damned all consequences, pardon my language, and attacked the president of the Nigerian Labour Congress. Damn their walls, damn their walls, even in this country, when Labour leaders were not only respected, they were feared. Then there was when labor leaders were not only respected, they were feared because, well, uh, the government in power and those in authority would not want to incur the wrath of labor leaders. They could call out the workers and they could ground uh, the economy and they could they could lead uh, mass protests. Every government is always afraid of mass protests. No government wants to deal with mass protests because you never know how mass protests will turn out and your options are limited once the workers are called out in protest, once the citizens are mobilized uh, en masse to protest, the options for the government uh, become very limited. You cannot begin to fire on them. And I hear somebody out there saying, well, did the Nigerian government not fire on people who were protesting at the Lekki, uh, Lekki toll gate? But of course, did they admit to it? No government in the world would admit to op opening fire on on mass protesters. Again, let's go back to, to our story. The story of the brutalization of Ajairo in Nimbo State. The, interestingly, not many newspapers uh, are reporting this this morning, and that's concerning as well. Uh, there will be time for us to reflect on that, how we are beginning to see in Nigeria uh, that even the traditional media uh, cannot be relied on as much as one would expect. But I see this report from, from this day newspaper and also from the Sun newspaper. Uh, according to this date, it's reported as, as this, NLC2UC police trade words over alleged abduction, brutalization of Ajairo in in Imo, uh, from the Sun newspaper, it says how police brutalized NLC President Ajairo in Oweda. I'll take this report from the Sun newspaper and then we'll begin to engage with it. It says the president of the Nigerian Labor Congress, NLC, Comrade Joe Ajairo, has been rushed to the Federal Medical Center, Oweri, with his right eye completely shot. The NLC head of information and publicity, Comrade Benson Okpa, described what happened to Ajairo as an act of abduction that degenerated into attempted murder. He said contact has been made with Congress President this evening around 3.30 
at the police hospital in Oweri from where he was taken to Federal Medical Center Oweri where he is receiving medical attention thoroughly brutalized his right eye at the time of contact was completely shot he further said Ajairo who said little stated that immediately after his arrest he was beaten up and blindfolded and taken to an unknown destination where more brutalization took place sometimes with bottles his phones money and other personal effects were taken off him and have not been returned to him so this is a report from Sun newspaper, a report based on on the statement made by another labor leader. And and do you know the reason why sometimes newspapers are careful about reporting things because activists and activists generally are known are known for sometimes overstating overstating things. I'm not saying that's an overstatement here. I do not know for a fact, but I know that uh, caution should be exercised in matters like this because, I mean, activists, that's what they do. Uh, they, uh, they want to call attention to things and could possibly overstate the matter, but it does not remove remove from the urgency of the matter and, I, and i'm going to explain really why this is urgent why this why this matters uh, let's take this report from this day this day uh, is is proceeding more cautiously on this story and saying that well uh, some entities the nigerian labor congress the trade union congress and the police are trading words trading words over what has happened according to the to this day it says the alleged abduction and brutalization of president of the nigeria labor congress joe ajairo yesterday has continued to generate reactions as the emo state police command the nlc the trade union congress traded words however nlc revealed yesterday that ajairo had been admitted at the federal medical center in oweri And we've already covered that from Sun from Sun Newspaper. But they say he says, but in his reaction, the Imostate Police Command denied arresting Ajairo. The police explained that the NSC president was initially taken into protective custody at the state command headquarters to save him from lynching, and he was subsequently given treatment for his injuries at the police medical services Oweri. So I mean so far, we have the confirmation that he was brutalized. The question is by who? Who brutalized the president of the Nigeria Labor Congress? That's the question that now has to be determined who brutalized the president of the uh, Nigeria Labor Congress. And that is yet to be determined. But it was brutalized that much has been established. Right. Uh, the question is who did. Now there are allegations in certain quarters that it was the Imo State government that, that a, a senior assistant or a special assistant to the Imo State governor led a number of other people, uh, called thugs and some security personnel to go to, uh, to the place where uh, this was going on, where the protest led by the NSC president was going on, and then it was brutalized, it was beaten. So far, we know that he was beaten. Right, it was beaten, it was brutalized, and it, it, it was so concerning to a lawyer friend of mine that he called me late yesterday and said, What is exactly happening in our country? Uh, over and over again, we have brought up the issue of the rule of law in this country. How, yes, historically, Nigeria has not been fantastic, has not been, uh, has not, has not, has never won a white government in the area of the adherence to the rule of law, but now things seem to be breaking down even faster. Uh, than we can keep up with. 
So uh, this is a call from all here at Gospel Radio and from all persons of goodwill that this is not the kind of news report uh, that should be coming out of Nigeria where labor leaders are brutalized, are beaten. And having said that, uh, it is fascinating how many people perceive Mr. Joe Ajairo in the popular culture. It is fascinating how many people we responded how many people responded to the news of his of his abduction and and his beating yesterday and i've always said this you find that when something wrong has been done to a person you find that the, the reaction is often informed by people's general view of that person somebody wrote on twitter saying he's very lucky that he's still alive that's a message to Joe Ajairo that missing your opportunity to hold the government accountable has its consequences. He lost his credibility. And I think this particular reaction sums up uh, what appears to be the preponderance of views on, 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 on Twitter on this matter. Many people saying that, oh, this man uh, is lucky that he's alive. Many people saying they don't care that he was beaten, that they don't care that he was brutalized because, well, he had his chances that he... He failed to hold the government accountable when he should. I mean, and then there's some background story to this. Now, in the past, there were some notable uh, labor leaders. I'm not saying they were above board. I'm not saying that uh, that they were not compromised in any way. I'm not saying that they acted in the best interest of uh, of the workers or of the people at all times. But there were times uh, in the past, even in this country, not to go to this country, when you would hear names like uh, uh, Pascal Balfiao, you know, f- uh, former president of the NLC, uh, even the now 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 turned uh, politician Adam Sushiomole when well the Labour Congress was not only barking but also uh, really was ready to to bite and was was reckoned with by the government but in the case of Joe Ajairo and many of the recent uh, president of the NLC you find that uh, they never take any step. Uh, from time to time, they threaten to go on on strike to press them with point to press them their demands. But I always calling it back. There are some people. If you reason from government perspectives, you will say, well, maybe they are just being reasonable. Uh, they are just understanding of the government. But the perception. And I'm, I'm dealing with the perception here. I'm not talking about what is reality because in matters like this, you never know who is actually acting in the best interest of people because you, know, you are never privy to the goings-on uh, behind the scenes. And if one is not privy to those things, one should, not, should, just, not, uh, should just not comment on, on them. So we do not know about the goings-on. But, but let's talk about the perception. The perception that, oh, uh, th- what happened to him was deserving that it was good that that thing happened to him. Then he's very lucky he's still alive. Another person wrote saying, good for him. He thought it's easy to play the game of manipulation. If they didn't collect bribes, but instead declared strike when due, Nigeria would be would have been a better place than it is now. He's doing selective activism. And that's what somebody said. And another person responded, say, yeah, you're on point. So the general perception is that the current crop of leadership in the Nigerian Labour Congress, in the TLC, indeed, among many of the activists in Nigeria, uh, is compromised. The general crop is compromised, is uh, or has not been effective as should be, as reneged from pressing home uh, the point of workers, the demands of workers from time to time. 
And you see, it is difficult to argue with that perception because that is indeed uh, the way it appears. In, in fact, it has become uh, a chorus between my brother and I whenever there is a threat of the NSC going on strike or the NSC trying to press on one point or the other. I mean, there was a time uh, immediately after this current government uh, removed fuel subsidy in Nigeria and uh, one of my wife's friends was telling her that, well, now the NSC would do something. And when my wife, was, I, I just laughed. I laughed. I knew I was going to end that it was not going to amount to anything. Uh, because I, I have an idea of how easy it is for politicians in Nigeria to compromise to compromise activists and things like that. But why am I bringing this up? It is not to talk about uh, the perception of Mr. Joe Ajayro as NLC president, uh, not even to talk about the brutalization of him yesterday or why he was there in Imo State, what he was doing, but to emphasize again that it is never helpful it is never helpful for us to look away from wrongdoings because we do not like the person who is the victim. That's the point I, I, I want to make this morning. And you see, it, it's a difficult thing to do, really, as human beings. As human beings, uh, sometimes we see somebody who is the victim of an injustice, but because we don't like that person, we want to look away. Because we don't like that person, uh, we don't care. Because we don't like that person, uh, some some people even want to justify uh, the aggressor, which is wrong. Which is wrong. Some people would even want to justify the aggressor because uh, the victim is not their friend. And you know that that uh, that colloquial statement: "The enemy of my enemy is my friend." That, that should not be the case. I do not think that is not the rule. That is not the standard in 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 Christendom for people on the Lord's side. That is not the standard for people on the Lord's side. The enemy of my enemy uh, is my friend. That is not the case. If the enemy, you shouldn't even have enemies. That's what the Lord teaches, right? That's what Jesus teaches. You do not. You should not even have enemies. I should not have anyone that you wish evil. That is starting point. But going away from that, in this case, we're not talking about enemies. We're just talking about uh, public officers, public or people in the culture uh, with whom you disagree on policy matters. It is not right. It is not right. It's not acceptable for such people to be dealt with in such manner. When you see a person who is the victim of wrongdoing, the duty, the moral duty, the legal duty and indeed the Christian duty is to condemn that act in totality, not to excuse it. And the time that a person is the victim of wrongdoing, the victim of injustice, that time is not the time to begin to talk of how, in your opinion, that person deserves to, to be punished. I'm not saying that it's not a relevant point. To bring up, I'm not saying it's not a relevant consideration. I'm not saying that it's, it's not a matter that will come top of mind at a time like that. But you see, the part of wisdom I would say is to deal with the aggressor at all times, to condemn what the aggressor is doing, and to say, "Hey, be careful, don't do that." Why? Because if when they came for the Baptist, nobody spoke out. If when they came for the Methodist, nobody spoke out. If when they came for the Anglican, nobody spoke out. If when they came for the Catholic, nobody spoke out. If when they came for the uh, for the Pentecostal, nobody spoke out. At the time that they will come for those remaining, there will be nobody left to speak out. 
and we must never forget that. So, uh, as Christians, we must rise above and beyond sentiments like that. When wrong has been done, we are called. We are called by our Lord to speak out against all forms of injustice. Speak up for the oppressed. That's what the Bible speak up for the oppressed and defend them. Speak up for the oppressed and defend them. I do. We do hope uh, the president of the NLC full recovery. Uh, we do hope that uh, there will be uh, an inquiry into this matter, that those who are responsible will be punished. And of course, we do hope as well that the president of the NLC, after his full recovery, will reflect on his perception by people in the in the country and you see uh, the gender of people yes people may be wrong yes uh the uh the popular opinion is not necessarily the right opinion but you should ask yourself if everybody tends to suppose tends to feel that yes uh what has happened to you is deserving i think it is incumbent on that person to reflect on what his legacy has been Okay, and next we want to discuss this interesting story of co-joined twins, co-joined twins in in Kano. In Kano, you must have heard about co-joined twins. I mean, that is, that uh, is the phenomenon where you have two babies, two babies born at the same time. The, twins, right? But then joined together, joined together, uh, and unable to live separate lives until they are uh, until they are separated. And of course, you must have come across several stories about that. I have read several stories, not many from Nigeria, uh, about co-joined twins. Uh, there, there have been movies about some co-joined twins as well. But now I'm reading this from the Sun newspaper. Uh, it says, anxiety as Kano co-joined babies head for Saudi Arabia for surgical uh, separation. Anxiety as Kano co-joined babies head for Saudi Arabia for su- for surgical separation. Have you heard of stories of co-joined twins who refused to be separated and who lived uh, up to uh, adulthood? Uh, they are fascinating. And I'm going to share uh, two of them with you. But, but let's reflect on this story for now. I'm looking at this picture, uh, the picture of uh, a white doctor, uh, definitely not African, carrying uh, the co-joined babies and they are, they are girls and looking all beautiful. And I'm wondering, wow. So this is a set of co-joined babies, Hassana and Usaini. Asad Isa yesterday departed the Malama Minu Kano International Airport Kano for a complex surgical separation in Saudi Arabia. The babies who are from Kano State were joined at the chest and shared a number of vital organs, making their separation a medically intricate and challenging procedure, according to medical experts. Let's pause a bit. Look at how, uh, look at the description here. From what I have read, uh, looking into co-joined babies, you find that sometimes they just come out, sometimes joined at the hip, sometimes joined at the stomach, uh, sometimes joined in other, but in this case, the co-joined twins from Kano State, according to this report, are joined at the chest and shared a number of vital, a number of vital organs. 
The surgery, which will take place at King Abdulaziz Medical City in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, with the support of the Saudi government, will mark a groundbreaking moment in the field of pediatric surgery. Speaking at the airport shortly before the departure of the twins, Governor Abba Kabir Yusuf expressed appreciation to the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia for the humanitarian gesture to the parents of the twins. He explained that the gesture was not only to the people of the state, but to the entire Muslim community in Nigeria. He recalled that the same Saudi kingdom had only last year sponsored the surgery of a similar case from the state, adding that both gestures will be remembered for a long time. So that, that's the story we have now. Uh, the story of uh, these conjoined twins joined at the chest, sharing a number of vital organs, now making their way to Riyadh in Saudi Arabia for a surgical separation that has been described as medically intricate and challenging. And of course, I do not suppose that there is anybody out there who would say that it is not medically challenging and intricate. Even for those of us who are not uh, who are not any any versed in medical practice, we can know even from here. And even those who are who are in the medical field, they know and can testify that that is indeed indeed a challenging a challenging procedure. And we must wish uh, the doctors every success in this matter. We must wish the doctor every su- the doctors uh, every success in this matter. And sometimes you wonder why things like this happen, don't you? You wonder how things like this happen. You wonder why things like this happen. You have millions of twin babies born uh, healthy, each having his or her own organ and living life as an individual and then you have these exceptional cases from time to time where uh, the babies are just joined together of course there is medical explanation for it uh, so what what did not take place what did not fully take place what led to uh, to babies uh, joining together and not being separate there is always a medical explanation but i think it's so it's just always fascinating and should lead the christian mind to uh, to reflect on the glory of God, who does all things, who does all things, so that men may wonder and glorify Him. Sometimes, when there is no explanation for uh, why it has happened in this case, what would not ordinarily happen, and as much as yes, there can be some medical explanation, you find that uh, at moments like that, you just be in wonder and in awe as to the power and to the glory of God. That is a fascinating story of co-joint twins, the story of Abby and Brittany Hens. Abby and Brittany Hens, they are co-joint twins who were born in Minnesota on March 7, 1990. They are joined at the sixfold process, which is the bony projection at the lower end of the sternum. This means that they share a single torso and a number of internal organs, including a liver, a colon, a reproductive system. However, each has its own heart, lung, and stomach. So this is a fascinating story where you have twins, uh, twins that uh, joined in some areas, but then they, they are sharing the colon. Imagine that they are sharing reproductive system Imagine that. I mean, it's just a complex thing for, for doctors to do. But in this, in their own case, each has his own heart, his own lungs, his own stomach. But then they share the reproductive system and they share the colon. 
According to the report I'm reading here, this occurs says, despite their unique condition, Abby and Brittany, uh, the, the twins, who share a liver, who share a colon, who share a reproductive system, but who have uh, separate hearts, lungs, and stomach, despite their unique condition, it says they have lived full and active lives. They graduated from high school in 2008 and went on to attend Bethel University in St. Paul, Minnesota, where they both earned bachelor's degrees in elementary education. After graduating from college, Abby and Brittany became elementary school teachers at Sunnyside Elementary School in Lakeville, Minnesota, where they taught together for several years. In 2012, Abby and Brittany published a memoir titled Abby and Brittany, The Hansel Twin Story. The book chronicles their lives from childhood to adulthood and provides insight into their unique experiences as co-joint twins. And then in 2018, they launched their own website and YouTube channel where they share their story and answer common questions about their condition. They have also become advocates for co-joint twins and other people with disabilities. And according to this report, it says, Abby and Brittany, they are the oldest living co-joint twins in the United States. They are both certified teachers. They drive their own car. They have each completed, competed in separate marathons. They have been featured in numerous documentaries and television shows. They advocate for co-joint twins. Interesting. Isn't that interesting uh, that uh, you have cases like that? And again, the ultimate point I'm trying to make from this story is just for us to be in awe, in awe of the world of God. Well, that's what the Lord says. I do all things so that men may glorify me, so that men may wonder and glorify me. But coming back to this story, the story from Kano, we should reflect on this as... Uh, many of us are from Nigeria listening to this program right now. We should reflect on it and w- indeed, uh, while affirming that it's a medically intricate and challenging procedure, we should also affirm that many nations of the world have uh, developed expertise in doing this thing. It is still uh, sad. It's, it is a sad commentary in Nigeria that this is not something that can still be done in this uh, in this country, something that has, that has to be done outside of this country. This is not to belittle uh, the advances and the and the hard work made by uh, medical practitioners in Nigeria, but just to call attention that uh, the time ought to have been in Nigeria where even uh, these medically intricate and challenging procedures uh, can be carried out in this in this country. In this country, and again, let's let's uh, commit uh, in prayer these uh, babies into the hand of God. I, I pray the Holy Spirit will bring them to your remembrance, and you say a prayer for them that the Lord will grant, according to His perfect will, that they will be uh, fully separated and will go uh, go on to live full lives, to live full and fulfilling lives. That even these girls, these co-joint twins, will come to know uh, the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and king indeed so we're going to pray for these co-joint twins but even as we wonder at this phenomenon uh, what we should be saying as people on the lord's side is that indeed the lord is great and he does all things so that men may glorify him especially as you look at the case of those uh, twins from minnesota in the united states who despite not being separated because some choose not to be separated and that's what i want to make it and that some choose not to be separated despite them not being separated a they continue to live full and fulfilling lives. How amazing. How amazing.
Okay, and of course, we began this uh, program talking about that picture that went viral. This morning, I woke up, not exactly woke up, but uh, just what I was uh, finalizing preparation for this program. I came across uh, this video now making some trends on Twitter. He, I, I suppose that the video will eventually uh, make it, uh, will become viral because it's just a horrible, horrible picture, a video rather, to, to watch. Well, this was posted by uh, somebody with an handle on on Twitter. The handle is Eels Maze. It was posted 14 hours ago. And the caption is, is, is a simple one. Just one sentence. It's as seen in Onicha today. As seen in Onicha today. Onicha is a town in Anambra State. Anambra State is in Southeast Nigeria. It says as seen in, in, in Onicha today. And this is the, so this is the video of the lynching no that's not the lynching the the burning of two human beings i see in this video uh tires used tires around the neck of two men who are lying on the floor oh, no who are lying on the floor and on the ground and you have people surrounding them some of them wearing uh, white top, so they would appear to be maybe local government official or some form of uh, of some you have some form of affiliation to some uh, some fancy uh, fancy organization out there, and you see that they are already set on fire. The fire is not really burning, but the tire is on them. People are around, uh, passers-by are looking. Some are taking pictures. Some are taking video uh, uh, video recording of them, and people are just walking away. But you see, you find some 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 young uh, young men who are there taking charge and somebody uh, went and fetched a bucket of petrol what must be petrol and he poured it on these two human beings and of course you know what happened uh the flame grew and you see them uh, you see the two uh victim of this of this inhuman action you know, scampering for life. Of course, they succumb to uh, they succumb to the uh, to the to the fire. Uh, I do not know whether they eventually died because it's a short video. And you see, this is another occasion for us to call out, uh, not only to call out, but to pause and wonder at the the evil in the eye in the heart of men. Yes, somebody will say, do you know what this, uh, what the victims, what they did? I do not care what they did. I care about what has been done to them. And that's the right thing to do. Somebody wrote on Twitter saying, even if they were caught perpetrating a crime, they should be arrested and prosecuted as human beings according to the law. Setting off people ablaze while alive is the most barbaric thing one could ever do. And I don't know how those people that do it sleep at night. And this captures my sentiment as well. A person who in pursuit of justice a person who says to himself in pursuit of justice in pursuit of something right in pursuit of of avenging a wrong who is able to set ablaze a human being in cold blood somebody who is begging for life somebody who is moving who has blood flowing in him if the man who is able to set that person ablaze is a man who is capable of the most horrendous evil in the in in this world whatever the victims uh might have done i am sure it will pale 
into insignificance when compared with the horror, the evil of certain uh, of certain human beings ablaze. It is horrific. And then this person wrote something more profound in terms of a philosophical approach to things. This person wrote in response, said, when I see humans, I see no humanity. And that's something that should make us pause. When I see humans, I see no humanity. Hmm. When I see humans, I see no humanity. Sometimes I, I will want God to come now and fulfill the prophecy because crazy things are really happening. And you see, yeah, this is right. This is the, 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 the time when many people when people say, "Wow, uh, let God call." Uh, thank you, Ma, for joining this point and saying uh, these are psychopaths. And I do agree fully that I mean that's is psychopathic for anyone to be able to do something of that nature. It is psychopathic indeed. They are psychopaths. And these are people who have been caught on video. People who have been caught on video who are ready to do these things on, on, on video. Yes. Yeah, yeah I know. Th- thank you, man. Yes. Those that do so, yes, they are psychopaths. They are people who, uh, who are just, who are sick themselves. They are sick themselves and unfortunately, they do not, they do not know it. So when this uh, gentleman wrote that sometimes I see human beings and I see no humanity and that's something that you sober us and that, that, that does a slight Christian perspective to this when we talk about humanity. Uh, you find that there is a difference uh, between the Christian worldview and the secular worldview on humanity. The secular worldview is the worldview that that promote humanity as an ideal, as an ideal to aspire to. And there are many people out there who say that if only we would all, we would not aspire to that level of humanity, if only the society would allow humanity to flourish, we are going to see the good in, in the human heart. That's the secular worldview uh, supported by many philosophers who say that if there's a problem with any human being, if you see human beings like this, either the uh, the the victim the victims of the of the of the uh, of the jungle justice in this case, or the perpetrator. That once you see them, you should begin to think of what led them to that, and that if you truly follow their story, you will find a, you will find a story. And if you if you follow if you ask for anybody's story, you will find a story, and that's so true. I'm not I'm not going to quarrel with that. I do not be be quick to judge people. You want to be careful. You want to be cautious in judging things because. If you take time to sit down and to learn uh, the story of a, of a person, you will find that truly uh, there is a story to be told. There is a story to uh, to ponder on. Long and short is that the secular worldview is that humanity is beautiful and perfect, but humanity has been corrupted by the society. That's the secular worldview. Uh, so much so that you'll find uh, many of these things are saying that what we need to do as human beings, is to look at our society, change our society, change our laws, change our leaders, change our religion, you know, change our mode of thinking, change our mode of dressing, change our belief system so that the best in us can come out. But the Christian worldview is different. The Christian worldview is different. The Christian worldview says humanity is irretrievably, irretrievably broken. It is broken. Desperately wicked, as the Bible describes it, the heart of man, desperately wicked, who can know it? Who can know it? If you read Jeremiah 17, 9, it says the heart is deceitful above all else and beyond cure. And beyond cure. 
who can understand it? The earth is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Who can understand it? That is the Christian view of humanity. And the Christian solution is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who was promised when the Lord said, I will take out the heart of stone and put it in its place, the heart of flesh. The heart of flesh that can feel, that can hear the voice of God. The heart of flesh that can feel uh, the nudging of the Holy Spirit. The heart of flesh that will be moved to compassion. And so when we, when we hear these things, that I see human beings and I see no humanity, yes, we understand what this person is saying, that what you would expect from human beings, what you expect uh, from a man uh, to a man, from one human being to another, sometimes you don't see it in human beings. But the Christian worldview explains it. The problem is that uh, the secular culture supposes that uh, the the human being is just so good, but has been corrupted by society, corrupted by laws, deceived by belief system. And that's why you find many people arguing that, look, just let's stop everything called religion. Let's have just one religion and there'll be no, no conflict any longer. That's the thinking. And it is fully, unfortunately, it says, let's have just one religion or no religion at all. And we'll find that there'll be no conflict in the world. Let's not have any gender any longer. In the, I mean, the problem is that we're always saying, oh, men cheat women, women cheat men. And, and that has been there forever. Okay, no genders any longer. Just one gender or gender fluidity. You can be whoever you want to be. Thinking that that will solve the problem. It says, okay, let, let's let's bring out the political system that have been in place for so long. Let's put another one in place. Everybody can own everything and nobody is, is the government, nobody is the governed. Uh, you, you must have been hearing some fanciful ideas from the uh, from the uh, World Economic Forum nowadays saying that the future should be a future where nobody owns anything and everybody is happy. You are not going to own anything and you'll be happy. Every, you might be always thinking that that is the way to solve the human problem. The way to solve the human problem is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Uh, yesterday, when my friend called me that night, talking about the NLC president, talking about uh, some other things uh, in the uh, in the polity in Nigeria, and the question was, oh, how do we engage with this? How do you engage with it? The Christian worldview is simple, but it is the most derided worldview. To the world, it is foolish. I remember the time in my life as well when I would engage in conversation with my father, and I would say, "No, that's that's too simplistic I, an approach to it." But it is truth. The solution to the world is the gospel of Christ. Is the gospel of Christ. only the gospel of Christ? Only the Holy Spirit from the Lord can make the human heart no longer deceitful. Only the Holy Spirit uh, from the Lord and the blood of Jesus Christ can cure can cure what is wrong with the human heart. Yes, I look at this video, I see psychopaths, I look at this video, I see hearts that are evil and beyond cure, but I know, and you know as well, that the blood of Jesus can cure and cleanse, cleanse from all, it can cleanse from all. And that is why the Christian prayer should be, as our Lord taught us, Lord, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And his will is that all should come to repentance. May that they come. May that they come. And you see, when you hear the voice of the Spirit saying, of our Lord saying, Behold, I quickly come. That is why the Christian responds by saying, Even so, Lord, quickly come. Thank you very much for staying with us this morning and joining us for the Lord's side, Christian perspectives on news and current events. 
Whatever you do today, please remain family on the Lord's side. God bless you very good. You are listening to GospelBellsRadio.com, the Christian internet radio with a mission to engage the culture with the mind of Christ. Keep listening and invite others, too. God bless you. Engaging the culture with the mind of Christ. 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 Christ.